When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's going on? Welcome to Knife Talk, podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to take some time out of your life. You need something to listen to. Why not listen to us? I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me is Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Mareko Mamasi, Mamasi Fire Arts. We're here every Monday slinging some nonsense, maybe some not nonsense, and uh, here we are. Guys, what's going on? Sweating my nuts off. You said that last week. Uh, yes. I know, <laughs> it's got, but it's got hotter and hotter and hotter. Yeah, it's 103 today. Oh, um, yeah, Yo. it's and in the studio it is it is 103 as well. It really is. It's like oh. yikes. But uh, it's all good. And uh, w- the only worst thing that could happen is if my wife t- were to leave the country and leave me with the kids in the swelter in heat for four days, isn't it? Can you imagine that? <laughs> oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> worst that case would, scenario. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? But guess what happens tomorrow? <laughs> oh God! You got all three of them, huh? All three of them in this heat. Yeah, no aircon. No aircon. So yeah, we we'll struggle through. We'll struggle through. Don't worry. Hmm. Well, what are, what are your plans? I mean, how are you going? I remember when Lila was very young. I had to make plans because I just didn't want there to be any like. Well, what do we do now? Do you have like a game plan for all three of them, or yeah, sort of, sort of. So a pool in the garden, just as much in the shade as possible, and yeah, ice lollies, plenty of ice lollies. That's all. That's all we can do. It's all we can do, I'm afraid. Popsicles, and if you're in the United States, I like oh, yeah. ice lolly yeah. is definitely a better word for ice lolly. So lolly. that's it. It's gonna be the pool and fucking ice pool lollies. And ice lollies, pool and ice lollies, and may- maybe the spoon for <laughs> me and Buddy. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the old spoon of the gooch. <laughs> Teach him about his gooch with the spoon. Here you go. That's here you go. Now this is a good segue into parenting. What will traumatize your kid or give them some sort of weird sexual proclivity later <laughs> in life? Spoon on the gooch. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, he's going to have this weird thing about, you know, like, uh, who? I don't want to say anything terrible about that sweet little boy, but just be careful. Any weird thing you do turns into strange Trauma. sexual proclivities later. And trauma, yeah, and and just to be clear, if you've never heard this show before, <laughs> this is a knife making podcast. <laughs> this is a knife making podcast. But we had a tip in the past. I think it was from an Australian, I yeah. think, um, saying that it's too hot in the shop. We were talking about ways to cool down while it's working, and um, he had a yeah a, a cold spoon on the gooch is apparently very yeah. Good. <laughs> so you get a cold like a soup spoon, and then you put it in the freezer. And then you put Soup zinc spoon. on it. Listen to you. A what? Teaspoon. A little teaspoon for you. <laughs> <laughs> a little fucking ladle. A big ass soup ladle. <laughs> Fill it up with a, your favorite zinc, and then just dip them. Dip them. Yeah. So <laughs> dip them and cool them. 
frankly, so tell- I'll take all the jokes I can get today. I need as much positivity as I could take. So I was going to say, tell us about your your whirlwind trip to California. I want to hear about Mareko's birthday. Happy birthday, Mareko. <laughs> I want to hear about what you did on your birthday. Uh, so I was up at my sister's. So was, I think last we spoke, I was in Florida and uh, had a great time with Steve and uh, finished that trip out really well. Uh, and then I got back to Seattle. I flew back into Seattle. My wife swooped me up and we drove a couple hours north um, to where my sister's staying during the summertime in Bellingham, Washington, which happens to also be where Bob Kramer is located. Um, but we stayed at there. They, they live at, they stay at a lavender farm. Um, it's got, it's like a five acre farm, lavender, and there's a Creek running through the back. There's all kinds of like old farm equipment and a big field next to it and stuff. And so we just hung out there for the most part. We went to a market on Saturday and, and then on Sunday, what did we do? We did uh like quote unquote birthday stuff. Cause my birthday was on the, on Monday, yeah. uh, when the last episode aired and, um, yeah, it was good. My my, uh, they surprised me. My sister and her partner surprised me with a big old tomahawk steak. Whoa! And uh, yeah, it was a beast. It was probably like two inches thick. It was a big old fat cut. Wow! And and then uh, oh, and she made. I've been seeing on Instagram all these like sushi bakes, uh, where it's like furikake rice and like s- some sort of like spiced mayo or seasoned mayo and salmon and other stuff on top magro and scallions and all this other shit i saw one that was built put together in a bunt cake the other ones are usually in like a baking dish this one was put into a bunt cake and then served like a cake and i i jokingly sent it to my sister like two months ago I said, this is all I want for my birthday. Oh, <laughs> and then she comes walking out of the kitchen with the fucking bunt cake, sushi wow, bunt cake. showed up. Yeah, she killed it. <laughs> it was so good. Craig, and, do you uh, know what a bunt is? I don't. No, no. <laughs> a bunt cake. I don't know how to describe a bunt. It's just a, it's a cake form. It's a pan with a, a odd form. It's like a, usually a ring shape. Um, imagine imagine yeah, a cake that has like a hole in the middle. Yes, yeah, like a like a German thing, yeah, yeah, right. So, one of them. Okay, okay. I figured yeah, you I knew all about a bunt. No, I don't know nothing about a bunt. Do you also know what? The, <laughs> all right, kids, close your ears. <laughs> you know what the slang for what a bunt is? <laughs> no, please tell. It's also referred to as the fupa. It's the upper fat belly area, but a bunt is what? obviously so. You, you got the acronym wrong. It's F U P A, fat upper. Yeah, yep. we also you could do fuba, fat fuba. upper belly area, but okay, a bunt is also a belly. Hmm. Okay, you know, thing. Uh, okay, I've never okay. heard. Never that. mind. Don't worry. I about know it. what you mean. Okay, okay. All right, yeah. it didn't go very well. So it was Jeez. good. The food was good. <laughs> yeah, food was good. That's all I try to ask for these days as I get older, is uh, to spend my time with people I care about and. Um, and eat some good food. There you go. And we, we accomplished that. We it's even went bowling. I haven't done a bowling birthday since I was, uh, since I was t- <laughs> 25, I think. Uh, so, or maybe, no, maybe when I turned 27. Anyways, uh, went bowling for my birthday, too, with those guys. It was fun. And, um, yeah, it was just super low-key. And then I got back uh, on Monday and picked up some knives on the way back. On my birthday, we drove down from Bellingham. It's like a three-hour drive. Hit up the kitchen store where I do sharpening out of, and picked up knives and went to went to the house and did all yeah. Kind of chilled that day. Didn't like literally did nothing that night. 
no special cake, no special meal, no nothing. Any good um, drinky poos? No. No drinky but poos? I, I, no, I'd been I had been uh doing my drinking over the over the weekend as a as a celebration for my birthday oh. when I was up visiting my sister. Mm -hmm. Um and a and a bit of wine intake for sure as well when I was at Steve's. Um but Tuesday, a fun, nice surprise when I got into the shop was some of the steel I brought back. I, I think I told you guys I was working on a chain pattern, yes. which is uh, used for making uh, this pattern. Uh, what is it? In Belgium, there are these companies that were making all these different Damascus patterns. They were usually twist patterns of some sort and then making Damascus gun barrels out of them. And one of them was this pattern called the chainette pattern. And uh, recently, Salem Strabus uh, attempted this pattern. Steve Culver, who is a, a master smith based out of, I believe, Kansas City, uh, has made an a, attempt at it. There's another maker out of South America named Manuel. I can't remember his last name. Sorry, Manuel. But he's also, but all of them are just a little bit off. And so when I went down to work with Steve, I was like, it would be really cool if we could nail this. I think I figured out what the problem is because all those other three makers, their patterns look very, very similar, but it's all the same kind of variants from what mm -hmm. the original looks like. And so I was trying to identify what, what might be the difference in the pre preparation and forging process that makes the difference from the originals to what these guys have done. And I think I figured it out. So on Tuesday, I cleaned up the steel, did some etching, took, some, took a look at the materials, and we nailed it. And so I'm really excited now to move forward with this billet and uh, get it constructed, hopefully get it welded back together nicely uh, and make a knife out of it. So nice. that's what we with that. And yeah. Steve's good? Steve's feeling good? Yeah, Steve's doing good. In fact, everybody, Steve just started his own Patreon uh, when he was, uh, what is it? He, ma he filmed a Forge series with Jason Knight a while back. It's an eight-episode thing. Uh, Jason recently... Um, gave Steve access to those videos. And so Steve now has a Patreon where you can pay, I think it's like $25 a month to have access to these videos. Uh, so Steve, Steve is a pioneer in our trade and our, especially when it comes to the Damascus making, um, he's an OG, he's a great guy. Um, and so I'm sure he would love any and all support that people would uh, like to give him. He's been doing some really cool stuff for oh, fuck since the seventies. I think technically he's the first ma ABS master smith. Um, though from on the books when they started actually keeping the books in 1983, he's maybe like one of the first five. But he got his ABS master smith certification in '81. He was literally the first uh, ABS master smith. So wow, Good it was dude. weird that for some reason they didn't start keeping books until two years later but anyways can't get nicer than steve schwarzer can't yeah, steve get schwarzer is a great guy yeah so that's what my birthday's been oh and thank you a few people reached out uh with some kind wishes for um, birthday action and uh, oh i Je i think jesse Wedas, uh i jessup on instagram her instagram or her instagram her birthday was on the 20th of august on uh, the day before mine and so happy birthday to her belated i guess Birthday, birthdays. Birthdays, birthdays. <laughs> yep. Jeff, so you went on a flight and to California. And how? tell me about, you were talking about taking your kids to school. What's yeah, it? just got yeah, how back. How was it? It sucked. I mean, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I, I, I shouldn't have started out with we 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 dropped our daughter off. Our daughter got in. My daughter uh, got into uh, was is a merit scholar at this really 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 nice 
uh, liberal arts school in Southern California, and it's been her dream to go there. She got in with like a pile of merit scholarships, which was really, really cool. Made it very much more approachable for us to even attempt to go there. Hmm. And yeah. it was the big day. So we flew out, of course. We were told that a hurricane was coming to like a once in 70 year hurricane called Hurricane Hillary, which is hilarious because my wife's name, <laughs> Hillary, Hill, uh, Hurricane Hillary. And she got her, her dopey friends broke her balls. And she's just like, I just want to like, I want to block all of them. I'm like, go ahead, block them all. Oh, the Hurricane Hillary joke would fly out there. And let me tell you something about the West Coast, what they call a hurricane. I was some rain. That was it. I was, I mean, <laughs> some light drizzle. I mean, listen, if you're in the desert and you're not used to it and you get the mudslides, I'm with you 100%. But Los Angeles, bro, the, any flooding was completely uh, a result of the terrible infrastructure in, in Los Angeles. I mean, you, you know, I think if you spit on the street, the, the gutters start to overflow. It was, it was pathetic. I mean, I literally. When I look out my window in, uh, in, my, in our little town and it's raining hard, hmm. you see sheets of water. You see sheets of water coming down. And you look at the road. The road is slick with, you know, almost like a mirror of water. I know what rain looks like. This yeah. hurricane was like everyone was freaking out, panicking. People were rioting through the, you know, the supermarkets, getting all their bread and milk and all that nonsense. Totally and it, we walked through it and we were just like... This doesn't really seem that bad. I mean, I'm sure it was bad in some places, and I felt terrible. And then all of a sudden, a hurricane, ha a earthquake happens, and we made it through. Everyone was texting us, sending us nice messages, and I was, you know, saying we're okay, everything's okay, we're gonna be fine. And then uh, one of the days we we made it, and then we walked to the campus before they were open. The day before we were supposed to move in, just to get to get a look, and we we did a long, you know, a two mile hike to get there, and it was nice. Oh, wow. It was beautiful, nice. and then. Um, moving day we the, the the clouds dissipated the sun came out and everything was very green from this incredible rain and then the jasmine trees outside of a room and the goddamn banana trees and the pine and the goddamn coconuts and the palm trees i mean this is like fucking this is like fucking paradise and i was just like god damn this <laughs> campus is nice and it was beautiful and the kids are super nice. cool it was really cool to see the kids and we dropped we met her roommate her roommate's super cool her father ended up was an awesome guy he was a photographer he lived in brooklyn and he and i knew some people in common actually his old apartment oh, was right next to my old shop and you know we reminisced he was there during 9-11 so we kind of like reminisced about being new yorkers in 9-11 and it was like we had a couple beers and it was like yeah i feel comfortable the kid was really nice and she and lila got along very well and um oh, nice. yeah, it was That's really great. cool and then you know, it's co-ed co dorms. I mean, it's co-ed halls, which was crazy. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it was... I said something so funny to my kid. So they have all gender bathrooms. So it's not like one bathroom. The It's like the whole... I mean, you got like all gender bathrooms. They make them so all the stalls are... You know, you don't have like a foot where you see people's feet if they're having a shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's yeah. like, it's yeah. all the way it's like a half an inch. So the shower stalls, the bathroom stalls, and they have the whole this thing. And I, I, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And this is great because, you know, the kids are all, you know, everyone's really super nice. And, and I turned to my kid and I was like, you get to shit with the guys. 
<laughs> I said, are you excited? You get to shit with the guys. And she just looks at me just like, oh, Jesus Christ, Dad, what are you going to leave? <laughs> is that all you're thinking about? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, Dad, I was like, wow, this is, your, this is like your big opportunity. You can shit next to the big boys. And it was oh hard. I got that joke out like four or five times. It was really funny. And uh, <laughs> But the really cool thing is, and I'm going to say this, I'm say if you listen to the this week's last week's episode of the Full Blast podcast, I'm going to go into it in more detail. But the the really cool thing was that the the president spoke to all the kids, and the kids were nervous. There was a lot of kids, and they were talking about expectations, and they were talking about you know it's going to be hard. But the cool thing was, and I think that a lot of colleges are now starting to say this, is that it's okay to be offended by things. You can listen to something that you disagree with, but it doesn't mean you have to stop them. It doesn't mean one person's right and one person's wrong. It's yeah. just, it's, it was just about like critical thinking is very important in, in our society. And For sure. being able to listen to other people's opinions is very important, especially in the collegiate setting. There have been like years and years of like, the guy don't like him, you cancel, this concept of canceling. Yeah, the yeah. schools are really trying to say, this is, this is not the way we, you know, interact as people. We, we, you can disagree with someone and that's okay. And then you kind of talk it through and see some mutual respect. That was really, really cool. And I'll say the coolest thing is we were supposed to stay until our flight was on Tuesday morning. And we were supposed to say we we're going to have a drink with, with uh, a, a coffee in the morning with Lila. So the night before we, we were about to go to dinner and I said to Hillary, like, we're not coming for, we're not coming to next tomorrow morning for coffee with Lila. We're, we're getting out of here. Like, you got to rip the bandit off. Hmm. So we're sitting down for dinner, and I see, you know, there are all these kids hanging out. And there's not really kids with their parents. You know, we were hanging out having dinner. And I just turned to, to, I turned to Hillary, and I'm like, are you done? And she says, yeah. I said, I'll take her tray. I took her tray and put her trays back. I said, okay, Lyle, we're leaving. And I was like, what, what, what? I'm like, listen, they're all <laughs> You're these on your kids. Own kid. <laughs> you gotta, You got to meet with these kids. They're friends to be had, not hanging out with us. You spent 18 years with us. We're here. Don't worry. But I mean, now's yeah. the time. So we walked to the exit, and it was here. Hillary was teary, and Lila was teary, and we were <laughs> and we were walking, walking. We walked to the gate. The gate was beautiful, overlooking the hills of Southern California. And this car drives by, and it's the dean of students who had this amazing speech about how hard it can be, but we believe in you, and you're meant to be here, and we don't pick just anybody, and you're you're supposed to be there. They're really trying to tell these kids don't feel the don't feel. Uh, imposter syndrome hmm. and the, the dean pulls up and i said i yelled i said hey dean i this is my problem when i hear a good speech i let him know i say hey dean great speech you're the man and he looks and he, he gives me a thank you so much and then he turns to lila in from the car and he points to her and he goes are you ready i have goosebumps on my fucking arms now just for men and she's just got this big <laughs> smile tears running down her face he goes are you ready and we're like, you, she's ready. And I said, no, let's get the fuck out of here. And so she went back to her dorm and, uh, you know, she's been there for, it's only been 24 hours, but, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. And, wow. and we're excited. We're happy. We're, <laughs> Hillary and I are a little bit sad. We're, we're uh, you know. Yeah. It's a, big, it's a big, big step, isn't it? Oh, you know? huge. But, I um, mean, huge. You know, the crazy thing is, is when you have a kid, and a lot of our listeners have just have new babies, and you guys yeah. have young kids, and you remember the beginning of being needed. You're being needed mm-hmm. for such yeah. little tiny things. And then all of a sudden, I was talking to my wife, and I, I'll tell them, for if you listen to Full Blast, I'm going to tell you, I had a problem on the plane, but we can leave it for that. You've, you've heard enough. 
I was, trying, I was talking a lot, Hillary and I was just saying, do you feel, and don't take this the wrong way, Hill, do you feel a sense of a release of not having to take care of someone? And she goes, you know, I do. I really, I don't have to worry about where she's got to be or what she's got to do or the paperwork or anything like that. She's like, it mm. is kind of like there's this gap that's opened up. So it's yeah. just very kind of, we're kind of, it's all still fresh too. So yeah. we're all You've got a little being bit incredibly like, proud because a job as a parent is to prepare your children to, to be self-sufficient, yeah. you know, yeah. and this, this is, this is that point now. You know? She's cool, man. So. She, you know, I, I broke her balls this morning. She said to me, uh, "What?" Well, and also, we're all. She, Lila was also very jet lagged, and I'm going to jet lag now. And Lila says uh, this morning, she sends me a message. She says, "You know, I went to the, the I went to the uh, the hall, the food hall to get some breakfast, and they don't have any uh, breakfast sandwiches. There are no BECs in this joint. No bacon, egg, and cheese." I said. I said, knucklehead, I told you to move to New York. I said, you've gone to NYU. <laughs> you get a BECs every five minutes. I said, you're in California. Forget it. I'm like, she's, and then she just, I said, you can't. Granola time. I called her. I said, you're, I said, you knucklehead. I told you. So this isn't fucking New York. And then she wrote back and she says, don't worry, dad. I'll make my own. That was cool. The whole thing was cool. So. Yeah. Nice. So, so what have you got planned for the first, first weekend then? Well, Hillary and I are dead. We're we're exhausted, and we, oh, unfortunately, <laughs> we were gonna we were planning for our fiftieth birthday is like a month apart, and we we're planning mm-hmm. on going somewhere. And it's just it's just we've come to the conclusion it's just too expensive. So we're not gonna mm-hmm. do any birthday shit, and you know. And then uh, Hillary is going to go to a parents' weekend, and I'm not because it's just too expensive for both of us to fly and board the dogs and get the hotel yeah, yeah. and let Hillary go. She's excited. She's glad. She's gonna go in October, and I'll. I'll get Lila in for Thanksgiving. And then um, what's our big thing? I think we're going to, I don't know, we're pretty jet lagged. So Hillary's made some plans with some friends, which is I'm really, really happy about. We're both being very like conscious of each, we're both very being very gentle with each other, which is pretty nice. And, mm. you know, we're, frankly, we're fucking high-fiving each other. We did a good job, you know? <laughs> you did a good job, exactly. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. no, there's literally like, That's we fucking did, we, we also, I mean, and I know this is knife talk and not fucking life talk, but we we broke a lot of cycles. We broke a lot of cycles of shitty parenting. Uh, mm. Most of the shitty parenting was on my father's side. My, my mother mm. and my father were less than good parents. And love, I love my mother. I'm still taking care of her, trust me. But at the same time, in terms of the lacking of preparation of a kid didn't they both didn't do a very good job my father was a prick so we were both talking about the fact that we're grateful that the traumas that we suffered as children are not being passed to our our child so she's super confident i've never talked down or never played mental games with her i never never passed aggressive i never did anything other than to try to prepare her for life and she's very confident so it's we're 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 doing a victory lap Nice, good. But stuff. I'll be crying later, so you never know. At the end of this, con- <laughs> the end of this fucking thing, I might when the cry. the jet lag wears off, <laughs> it wears off, and you know. But you know what? What are you gonna do? Okay, let's let's talk about knives. Let's change the subject before you break down on a sword. <laughs> 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 My little girl. That's fine. Questions. We got some. Um, so if you've got questions, knife-related questions, uh, send them our way. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, um, and we'll add them to the list. We've got a bunch, and we're going to try and crack through as many as we can today, um, with the first one being from Uncle Sam Metalworks. Uh, hey, cuties. Oh, right. 
This is not a knife-making question, he says. Uh, but is blacksmithing? Is blacksmithing? I'm prim- primarily a knife-maker. I recently just bought a house and I had to put a deck on. Um, I was thinking about doing some scroll work or baluster? Baluster, yeah. Baluster. Like it's like a newel post or the, okay, the posts okay. or yeah, yeah, pi- yeah. or it could be a picket. Okay, with a basket twist in them, um, which I think I know what they are. Uh, any suggestions before I start this project? And what diameter material should I use or not use? Um, if this is something you don't want to answer on Knife Talk, I totally understand. Uh, bye for now. I can hear Craig's voice saying this, he said. Well, come back to the future, and you, you definitely will hear my voice saying this. So what, what do you think? Um, Jeff, you've done a fair, fair few fences in your time. Well... Here's the here's the key to a basket twist, and you can do them without having to carve them. You know, usually what happens is you get a you get like a post, like maybe you know depending on the size of the post, and then you would incise all four sides, and then you would the side the the chisels would meet, and then you'd have four in between. You know, four, and what you do is you twist them. What you can also do is you can has as long as so if you have inch by inch posts, and then you had. Oh, Jesus Christ. Half by half by half, four pieces of half by half, and then you kind of weld them all together so they're in between the two inch by inch posts. So it would be so it would be the same size. To make a basket twist, all you're doing is you're twisting it, you're heating up the, the basket part, you're twisting it, and then you're twisting it back on itself, and then it opens up and it makes that basket. So as long as, and it really can work with anything, you just want to give it a couple tries before you do it. I personally would, especially for an outdoor outdoor railing, I wouldn't try to incise it because you can have a lot of jagged edges that you can't clean up. The move would be is you get some like round bar, and then as long as the outer sizes of the round bar is the same size as the, as the post itself, you should be able to weld them up, clean them up, and then twist the, the, the round bars, and then when you twist it back, it'll make that basket. That's the that's the standard idea of how basket twists are made. Hmm. There, it's a lot of it's a lot of fucking. To be honest with you, the juice ain't worth the squeeze of those fucking things. I mean, they're like, I mean, it's like for wizards and shit. <laughs> I mean, those basket <laughs> posts. Like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, go ahead, give it hell. I think there are probably some YouTube videos on it. I know that Jesse and I made a Jesse made some. I made a couple before and. Not too excited about it. But all it really is is twisting it one direction. It's actually just like the pineapple twist where you, you twist it, you know, a certain amount of times and then twist it back half the way. So it's like, you know, a couple rotations one way and then let it cool, heat it up again, and then twist it back on itself half that and you'll end up with something close. Got you. There you go. Okay. I don't know if I made a lot of sense, but. That sounded like gibberish to me. I, I, I can't even visualize what you're talking about. Well, <laughs> you know, all I heard was that there's a YouTube video on it. <laughs> there's, I mean, it, it, it's it's like the baskets in the middle of your post, so you have to like you yeah. have to in, you have to you have to capture the inside, so you can fake it by like welding bars to make that. When you weld a square, you know, you have four bars together. You weld them all together to the same dimension as the as the maiden bars and then you twist it oh i see it. so they're like at the end the, they're of the, the solid squ- they're in the middle one inch squ- they're in the middle oh they're in the middle okay so you take a piece of we're gonna do fucking basket talk this, okay so i'm this just trying to visual- basket so talk is sponsored by even heat <laughs> the manufacturer the finest treat treat ovens available if you want to if you want to heat treat some baskets you get yourself a basket go get to evenheat-kiln.com and check out what they got get that top control get that you know, solid state drive solid state relay Get yourself that even heat. I get it now. So it's one inch 
square solid stock right and then the half inch by half inch square stock four pieces are tacked straight in line on the end in the uh, middle between sorry yeah between two solid stock you're the man then you twist them and then you reverse twist them to open i've seen that okay that makes a lot more sense you fucking cleared it up i would do round just because it'll be especially for outdoors it'll be easier to kind of clean up and keep you know not from rusting all those little squares tend to get a little bit you know trickier to um to kind of keep clean outside but uh yeah you figured it that's it so okay Craig, I, was, I was struggling for a second I, i'm sorry you know i <laughs> no, started to good. realize i don't think i did a very good job but you cleaned me up so i appreciate it i don't know about that you but got it. who's gonna take randy richard i'll take him take him out back <laughs> I bet you would take him out back <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how would you feel if you saw someone you sold a seven or eight hundred dollar knife to go on a classifieds forum and try to resell that same knife for a hundred bucks? I just wish that uh, that guys who wanted to resell a custom knife would be more respectful to the original maker's uh, time and effort and sell it for closer to what it's actually worth. It's not like we're making cheap garbage. Uh, sorry, cheap garage sale items. Uh, that was a bit of an uh, exaggeration. But, yeah, I've seen guys grossly underselling knives to make a quick sale. It seems to cause some <clears throat> new potential customers to hold out, uh, thinking if they just wait, wait it out, they might pick up uh, one for dirt cheap uh, somewhere, rather, somewhere else rather than having to pay full price with the actual maker. What do you guys think about the second? Hmm. Basically, he's talking about secondary market. Somebody uh, underselling a, uh, a knife that they normally would sell for. A I'll bit take. More. I mean, you can't control what people do. No. no. When they when no. they own something, and I'll tell you a quick story. I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait a while because it happened a while ago. Somebody sent me a message. One of the original guys who got a Cuban knife when I did it with Carl Ruiz, and he says, "I'm you know getting rid of some things. I need to make some money. How do you feel if I sell?" The Cuban knife. I'm like, it's your knife. Do whatever you want with it. He put it up online on eBay or something like that for like so much more than it was worth. Oh, wow. And it was like, I think he expected me to try to sell it for him. But it was like, he was selling, trying to sell it for like $2,500. Just like way too much money. Way too much money. And I think that there was this expectation that I was going to help him sell it. And when I saw Mm -hmm. the price on it, because sometimes people say, if you ever see, see another Cuban, let me know. I'm like, I'm not fucking helping this guy. No offense. Mm. I'm with you. Do your thing. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, you know, you're on your own. You're on your own. You know, I'm not going to like, if this was like, I try to get a kidney and, you know, I just want to get what I paid for it. I'll help you out. But like, you want to like four times it, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not helping you with that. And then it sat there for a while. And then somebody sent me a message like, the price is going down. And that made me feel even worse. Like no one (laughs) Exactly. That made me feel worse and worse and worse. And it went for, I think, I don't know what it went for. It went for more than he paid for it, which I'm glad. Congratulations. But it was like, he was trying to gouge people. And then I think the reason why I didn't like it is because he made up a lot of terminology that wasn't true. Oh, forge knife (laughs) and this and this and this is Hmm. like a lot of shit that i had to write and then the size he wrote the size was different than it actually was and he all the all the information was wrong and the only thing i wrote to him was you got to get this part right because they're going to come to me so i gave him the right information and i just left it alone and i just was like god bless you 
yeah. by my my brother. Yeah. I think you're right. Once you've sold it, it's 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 not your property. But um, but it would sting a bit seeing something selling really really cheaply. It would sting a bit, but it's you don't know the circumstances of the person selling it, how badly they need that money. Um, yeah, it's 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 none of your business. Right. Weirdly, it you know you, yeah. you you've sold it on. It's none of your business. That's how you want to sure. get irritated. Go on eBay and look up Montana Knife Company. <laughs> you oh, get yeah? irritated. A lot of them are underpriced what they normally get, and a lot of them are like. Josh Smith knife and they, they, just the way people describe these things. Oh, interesting! It's just like, it's just like, ugh, I don't fucking like the way you wrote that. I was like, I was looking at one. I was like, I don't like the way you wrote that. And it was they're all everyone's trying to get a little bit of something. So I, yeah. I, there was one point where I was looking at, uh, yeah, looking at Montana knife company on eBay. And I was just like getting irritated. Not, yeah. I was irritated for Josh. I wasn't irritated by what was up there. I, w- I would say buy that. F- if it's really a hundred bucks, uh-huh. buy that fucking knife, clean that bitch up, and sell it yourself. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> right there. That's a pretty good idea right there. No, I, I've. It's always been interesting to me to, and I don't see the secondary market very often. I usually hear about it from uh, either the person that ends up buying a knife or something like that down the road. Um, and but it is an interest if you can somehow i don't know how you would know where where and how much these things are selling for but if you're trying to kind of gauge the value of your work um it, it might be a way to see like if you're underpricing yourself because if your stuff's in enough demand and people are selling it for two three times as much then maybe that says that you can bump up your prices a little bit um i've Honestly, and I've talked about this before, how I feel like I have this sense of ownership or or responsibility to take care of this thing, even though it's not mine anymore. Um, I I have offered actually, uh, let's see, but yeah, multiple times. I'm trying to think of how many people I've offered this to, but when I get wind of a knife getting ready to be sold, I'm like, send that thing to me. Let me clean it up because who, to me, it's when that knife exchanges hands, all I can think about is like, maybe there's some weird, nasty, like that knife I just refurbished. If somebody, if that person sold that knife the way it was, I, even though it doesn't actually reflect poor, actually on me, like poorly on me, I would still feel like it does. I, and that's like my own mental issue around that. <laughs> like struggling, like, I feel like that's my fault. Um, and I want to clean it up. Um, but when I hear about knives coming for sale or somebody bought or just recently acquired a knife of mine from somebody else, I'm like, fuck, why didn't they tell me? Um, and I, but I have helped actually people sell my work, uh, because I do have a backlog. I have an email list. Um, I have people who are ready and interested to buy some of my work. And even if it's Mm. older work, um, and and especially if I'm refurbished it, like once you've refurbished it, and clean it up and put a new etch on it. And maybe I update the grind from a, a convex to an S grind and I make some minor adjustments in the handles sculpting and stuff like that. That's basically a brand new fucking knife at that point. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, and I did that for a guy and what was cool is he was just trying to get the money out of it that he put into it. He was in a tight spot and I feel bad for him for that. He had to sell it, but, uh, yeah, I, I cleaned it up and he, and, and helped him find a buyer and he kicked me back a nice tip of like 500 bucks. Nice. And so I wasn't mad about that and it helped, you know, it did take some time to do all that work to like re at it and regrind it and redo the handle and all that shit. But, 
uh, wasn't like building the thing brand new. It was just kind of like mm. clean a spa day. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think if there's a, if you can offer that potentially for people, then that might help prevent some of the issues that people might ex- experience on this with the whole secondary market thing. Um, some people are afraid, the cus- customers and for, or whatever are afraid to uh, basically say uh, either like I'm I'm on hard times with money or I didn't really enjoy the knife, so I'm going to sell the knife. Uh, I think they're afraid to hurt the maker's feelings or whatever. And in, in my mm. case, personally, I'm like, I don't give a shit why you want to get rid of it, but let me clean it up first. And I can even possibly help you find a buyer, if not help you make a little bit of money on the sale. Oh, look at you. Um, mm. Look at you. And possibly doing, out your, doing yourself out of another bigger sale, really. Yeah. Because if these are people waiting to buy one of your knives, exactly. you're, you're taking one off your list. You know? Exactly. Exactly. There you go. You're a good man, Morocco. No ad reads or <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. but I was, I was I was trying to think how can I shoehorn a read in? I was going to say, well, Morocco, if you were going to clean up a knife, there you go. Which grinder would you use for that? <laughs> I one hundred percent use my broadback to clean up that knife. Uh, I was perfect for the job. What I love about the broadback is that it is designed uh, not only to fit all the different tooling arms that they have, but they they can do cross platform, so they can accept tooling arms uh, from other machines to use in the broadback. Uh, they're great guys. They're knife makers making grinders for knife makers. Um, and if you uh, go to the website broadbackironworks.com. Uh, and whatever you get, whether it's one of their knife packages or tool arms or the sewing machine or sur- surface guard, whatever it is, make sure with checkout, type in Knife Talk 10 to save yourself 10% on your order. Again, go to broadbackironworks.com, type in Knife Talk 10 at checkout, and you will save yourself a little bit of cash, and, uh, and you'll get the job done for sure. There we go. Okay. Um, Ebon Blade Customs. Um, as said, uh, with Craig mentioning he considers himself a hobbyist now, it makes me curious where hobbyists sit in the community. I'd like to think we are a, a silent majority, but every forum or Discord or Reddit post seems to be either veteran knife makers with a thousand dollar knives or armchair professionals uh, who, who've uh, who've made Forged in Fire their personality, but would never think to make a knife. Good um, question. Yeah, and from from. <laughs> You know, I used to spend a lot of time in these forums and on Discord and Reddit and stuff like that in the night. But when I was, you know, when I started making stuff, and I'll be honest with you, there's not much value to be found in any of them. Um, it is a bunch of, as you say, armchair professionals or people trying to belittle other people and that kind of thing. I, I, I don't think there's much of a community in most of those forums, to be honest with you. I have people a... are out to make themselves feel good. I was uh, chatting with Honor Kagler. And we were talking, because he's, you know, he gets people. He gets these people who tell him how he should be doing things. And usually it's yeah. like, I've been a welder for 25 years, and the way you're doing this isn't right. And he just, like, you know, lets them have it. And I was telling him that um, we were talking about the Internet. We are talking about, I have a, we have a I might, the Facebook group in my town is under real problems right now because <laughs> things were said, and there may or may not have been bomb threats at this establishment, and it may be due to things they've said or been involved with. And it's just like, Yikes. there's like questions. It's just like, how far do you... Basically, what I ended up saying to... I said, can you imagine that you go so far on a forum to the point where there may be a knock on the door from the FBI? 
That happens. Wow. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine it's because it, the conversations a lot of people have on online are meaningless. You know, it's yeah. like you said, Craig, you're trying to one up somebody or you're trying to one up somebody or I got bad service. And then there's this back and forth and there's this like strange uh, evolution of like anger and all this stuff. And then if it turns into something real, can you imagine something as useless and meaningless as a disagreement online turns into a knock on the door from the FBI? Hmm. What a waste. And I told him about it and he wrote, he said one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. I'm going to use my newsletter next week. Only humans, this is straight out of his fucking mouth. Only humans could have something so powerful like the internet where you can learn so much and use it for dumb shit. That was like <laughs> this beautiful, you know, that little fucking wacko Honor Kaglar is like that has this beautiful mind for just breaking it down to this simplicity. It's hilarious. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, hobbyists are great. I mean, the, 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 there's, it doesn't matter. It matters when people are, are uh, aggressive towards each other over nothing, you know, over something yeah. stupid. That's, you yeah. know. And I'd say, I mean, he says here in the post that the silent majority are probably um, hobbyists. And of course they are. You know, most well, everybody who starts as a hobbyist. Not, you know, many people go straight in to say, okay, well, now I'm, now I'm a full-time knife maker and this is provider for my family. It doesn't work that way. So everybody starts that way. And we know, we know so many amazing knife makers. It's still just a hobby to them. You know, right. it's not their main business. Right. Um, so th I don't think it's to be looked down oh, on in any 100%. way at all. No, no. There's master yeah. bladesmiths realized that it's way more beneficial for their families if they have a job and then they make yeah, knives yeah. on the side for playing money. No. Mike Quisenberry, I don't. I think he considers. I don't think he. I think he considers it a hobby that he loves. Yeah. Do you think it's? Do you think that it's? The issue is the term hobbyist. Maybe it's maybe it's more accurate to just call your refer to yourself as a part time maker, because I feel like you can still be a professional but only do it part time. There are there are a lot mm. of people who are, feel themselves professional, like fabricators and stuff, and blacksmiths who hate the term maker. They just like when you say maker. It automatically sounds like, and this might be a hot take, and you might disagree with me, but when you start using the word maker, when you fill out your, your tax forms, that ain't in there. You know, maker ain't in there. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a different variation of artist, you know, or something. But like, I can see that there's this delineation between um, the value of what one calls themselves. Yeah. A maker is almost like a crafter. It could, easy, it could be thought of that way, I think. You know, the handy with crafts. I almost feel like opposed... you got to be a YouTuber to be a maker. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Again, that's just a good example of how people see different words as, you know, different meanings. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, it is, it is a weird one. It is a weird one. But, uh, you know, there's, as we say, there's people who this isn't their main gig and mm -hmm. they're incredible at what they do. That doesn't mean to say they're not thinking about it all the time. Um, you know, they're very professional, but um, it's not their main game. And can we also just say that just because you're not a professional knife maker, that's not a that's not a that's not a, a demerit on who you are. Just because you're not a full time maker or you're not you, that's not a demerit. That's that's you. If you're enjoying what you're doing and you're having a good time and it gives you satisfaction in life, mm. then yeah. you've won. But I don't, we have these like pecking orders in regards to what's more valuable than others. And it's like, mm. 
in the grand scheme of things, if you're happy, who the fuck cares? Yeah. I guess for me, when it comes to definition between a hobbyist and otherwise, uh, somebody more professional, it's just like, I guess, it, it, the, ta the tax code here in Washington State, a hobbyist work, like the, the uh, a form of income, it's hobbyist if it's not your main source, like how you're getting paid or how you what you're using to pay your mortgage and your bills and health insurance and all that other shit um it's kind of just like a, maybe you make a little bit of money here and there on the side so that's usually when it's hobby work but if this is your if that's your main source of income then that goes from being a hobby to i can't remember what the term is but basically yeah your main source of yeah, income professional yeah, yeah. yeah kind of prof more on the professional end of this and that's all i was trying to delineate between like maybe it's maybe you're not a hobbyist maybe you're just a part-time bladesmith or knife maker um and you're still professional you just i don't know we we say these words and, and they're so, and they and they stick with some people in some strange way and it's mm -hmm. like and people get offended or people get feel like they're not as good or i'm not as you know it's just it's like we use these goddamn terms too much i have very good listener feedback by the way anytime you want to go okay okay let's tell the guys about this thing first combat abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size at unbelievable prices go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Now, 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 now. <laughs> Let's all just be nice to each other. With the part-time, the full-time, the maker, the bladesmith, the blacksmith. Who gives a shit? Just the go out and enjoy your life. <laughs> because, I mean, you're going to be toes up in no time, guys. You're going to be like six feet under in no time. So you just, sound like a man who just dropped his kid off to university. I'm, I'm... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And you've Listen, aged a hell of a you, lot. You make fun of me. I'm fucking enlightened, dude. I am like the Dalai Lama over here, except I'm not <laughs> sucking on people's tongues. That fucking guy. <laughs> hey, baby, let me suck on that tongue. Namaste. All right, listen, guys. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never, he'll never get over that as far as I'm concerned. No. Dalai Lama, he ruined it. <sighs> Sucking on one tongue, you're done. All right, guys, listen. If you go to <laughs> Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can interact with the show, send us the DMs, questions, and listener feedback. The first thing comes from our friend Holly Loftus, who says, could you please shout out the Colors Award for the UK listeners? The Cutler's Award is a grant of 2,500 pounds to support one culinary knife maker to develop professionally through mentorship and skill building. It's open to anyone trading as a knife maker in the UK. The money can be used for mentorship, equipment, and courses. It's not the best knife contest. Applications are judged based on how well the 2,500 pounds will be used to push someone's career forward. Go follow at, if you're on Instagram, at the cutlers award.uk so holly loftus nice. there you go i'm with you yeah our friend all right <laughs> all right so here's the listener feedback ronald knives so last week somebody wrote i think it was ash edward celery patch what should we call it 
you said made a, we're talking about American food. And I made a crack. I said, <laughs> yeah. Australians making fun of uh, Americans. You know, why don't I say, I thought you Australians all ate and I'm Vegemite. So Ronald Knives, who, P.S., everyone sent in a tome. And he got, we got, we got like Shakespeare juniors out there. So <laughs> Jesus get ready, get ready, guys. All right. So uh, Ronald Knives says, don't go criticizing Vegemite. Those who fail to appreciate it are simply too weak to appreciate its overwhelming power. Either that or there are people from overseas who have been tricked into eating uh, the wrong way, my smart-ass Australians, mostly the latter. Also, kangaroo is very lean, very tasty, available in most supermarkets, and I'm not even joking. So, anyone, either one of you have Vegemite? No. No. Okay. No. I'd be up for I it. Don't like my- don't let mom my I'm under the yeah. impression you have to put the the the, li- the least amount possible on, and it's just like I'm not even quite sure what it is. It's like a it's like a oh god! Yeasty. I swear to God, now here it comes all the Australians are going to give us a fucking recipe for this bullshit. We know it's oh you, you don't know oh let's do an Australian accent oh um. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. How you do an Australian accent is you take the A sound and make an I sound. So if you we were saying snake, you would say snike. Snike. So, snike. And you've got to come up as well at the end of each sort of sentence. And you say no worries <laughs> is that a lot. snike? No worries yeah. a lot. No worries. Uh, I can't figure it out, but uh, all right. It's some sort of malt shit. Uh, congratulations to Australia. We're with you. Australia. Do you know Marmite? Do Americans what is, know Marmite? What, that, is, is there a big difference? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's it's very similar to Vegemite, um, but it's it's beefy. It's um it's like a meat extract, yeasty kind of. Huh. Do you eat multi it? thing? I hate it, but people either love it or hate it, and now it's their big sort of advertising slogan: you either love it or you hate it. And um, That's I hate fucking it. Fucking weird. But, um, you can use it in stocks and things like that, and gravies and stuff because it gives it a real sort of beefy extra sort of zing. Yeah, I was gonna say um, it almost sounds like a beef uh, like bouillon almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not quite. It's like it's just like a thicker, yeastier version. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's a strange, strange thing. I couldn't really compare it to anything else apart from Vegemite. I'm trying to yeah, make some butt jokes, but do you know? Oh, okay, we'll just talk about foods. Do you know Twiglets? Do you have Twiglets over there? Fuck? No, I don't know what a Twiglet oh, is. Okay, well, let's is that move like on. a let's small branch? On. Are they like Twix? <laughs> Is it Twiglet? No, no. Is it Twiglet? Is, it, like, is that like next? It's a Marmite flavored snack, basically. Uh, but not like going next off, to the old, off track here. Not next to the old balls, right? The old, no, the old balls Twiglet, and Twiglet balls. No. All right. All right. No. So God okay, bless you, Ronald on. Knives. Don't tell me what Vegemite is. I'm not interested. I'm just kidding. All right. Paul Jansen says, "Dick joke after a glorious dick joke. Well done, guys. I had to pull over. I was laughing so hard. Also, on a side note, uh, calling some liquid." You know, blank piss is pretty common. We were talking about gator piss. There's a lot of gator piss comments, mm. by the way. Get ready, ladies and germs. Uh, local metal fabricators call penetrating oil skunk piss and brake cleaner tiger piss. It doesn't change the quality or the end result. Um, here's Wilder Knives. Australia says, I don't understand why customers would even care to know about gator piss. Why do we have to even tell them at all? Just say etched or acid etched or whatever. We don't ever explain to our customers what brand of epoxy, super glue, or quench oil we use. Uh, so why should we tell them we use gator piss? Just my thoughts. Better disclose. Yeah. Oh, better disclose what you neutralize as well. Then you, you you use that Arm and Hammer baking soda or that Kroger brand baking soda. I think gator piss is a great name marketing wise, and I think if people 
knew they were using K2Piss, they, they'd be like, wow, it's like extra mystery, it's extra magic involved. <laughs> well, there's a one, I'm going to read one more Gator Piss thing and we're going to talk about it because I'm actually interested in, in I have a, a, a thing to going to go about, but Nate Walpole says, if folks think that Gator Piss is a bad name, don't get them welding and using Cooter Snot. Yes, someone oh. named Tip Dip that name, Cooter Snot. So they use the tip. I told last week you, you dip your tip in the dip dip, tip dip, <laughs> and they call it cooter snot. But here's what I'm interested in, and I think a lot of it is perceptions. And I and I thought about it because I know that you know we've talked about this before, and you know, Mareko says, you know, you don't have to call it gator piss, call it GP, whatever. And it was interesting because last week I said that I these really high-level knife makers are just saying they don't like the name and stuff like that. And I wonder, and I said to and I said um when I on um, when I do their ad reads. I say, you don't have to tell your customers everything. And I'm wondering why this material, Gator Piss, is an awesome action, and it's marketed towards makers. Market towards makers, and not market towards customers. Like, your customers mm-hmm. aren't true makers. And a lot of makers are kind of squeamish about it because it's like, I feel, this is my opinion, and I wonder, it, it, I could be wrong, tell me if I'm wrong. If ultimately, subconsciously, Makers are a little self-conscious of their prices because most of our knives, we can't afford ourselves. If you're True. a little yeah. bit yeah. self-conscious of our prices and you think if your customers who are willing to pay those prices knew that you were using something called gator piss, that maybe you weren't serious enough and maybe the value really uh, is not correct based on your not seriousness about it. Nah. No, I, th- I do think the opposite. I think it sounds magical. It sounds, so it sounds magical? <laughs> magical. Magical. You know, you, you've got this special alligator piss that you, that you can only use this to dip this in. You know, it, it sounds... Especially no, sourced from the bayous of Louisiana. But I mean, we don't say yeah. it. I mean, I don't want to say... I don't want to explain it because it, it, yeah. beli- it almost belittles what, I, what they think I'm doing. Yeah. I think it's genius branding. And it I, is. It, it reminds me, I do another podcast. I'm what? Podcast what? four. Whoa. Anyway, anyway. And uh, in this How podcast, I was doing a quiz with the uh, with the other host. Yes, there's other hosts, ladies and gentlemen. And um, and I was doing a quiz and he was messaging me. He said, oh, am I going to get fucked on this quiz? So my response was, yes, lube up. And I just looked for a, a generic sort of lube picture, gift to send him. And um, so if you just put like... <laughs> lube in google images you see all these brands of lube and there's one called up yours oh. right and it's it's just like the the best branding ever and i've just sent you the picture guys you get if you uh so it's a it's a, it's a fist in lube oh my god, oh my what god. The what's the matter with you oh my god <laughs> can you see you that? are yes. a horrible human being what are we what that depths have we now sunken into We've sunk into yeah. Oh Sorry, this is a bit of an in joke because obviously believe... you guys can't see. But if you if you Google image up yours, Luke, oh my, um, you'll see exactly what I'm talking May about. May I say, you know who doesn't want this the most? The labeling company, the company that makes the labels. <laughs> they don't like, care. They're getting paid. No, there's no, no, no liability no. The on same, their end. It's a, it's like you got grandma who's running the inker. Uh, put it put it more purple. We're gonna put it more purple, Grandma. Why? We're getting the up yours. It's the fisting lube. We gotta match the color of the of what goes up the guy's butt. Grandma keels over. What the fuck? Uh, however, speaking of lube, 
I'll tell you, we were walking <laughs> down. Speaking the, of Lou. This is back to Southern California. We were walking down the street, heading Very towards the college, there, yeah. and there was a place where you get your car, your Jiffy Lube, you know, like a Jiffy Lube, uh, yeah. which is uh, uh, where you get your oil changed in your car. You have okay, a place yeah. where you can do a fast oil change. There's a place called Jiffy Lube. Well, this place was called Lube Master. And I, <laughs> Hillary and I yes. looked at it. And I, I looked at Lila and I said, these are your fucking people now. These are your people. They were drunk. I was just like, what the fuck town did you have us move you to? Fucking Lube Master? Are you nuts? So she took a picture of me pointing at the Lube Master sign. I thought, yeah, nice. good. God bless them. But this, this, what you sent us. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> it is so bad. Available in all good Amazon stores. Holy now. Christ! Yeah. It is really something. God damn it. Okay. Um, oh. Well, I'm going to tell everybody about. <laughs> There's no link here, but maybe Lawrence will start selling it. I don't know. He starts to sell everything that we we talk about on the show. MaritimeKnifeSupply dot com. Um, they sell steel belts, handle materials, lube, tools, <laughs> forges, kilns, and more. They sell it all. They're also the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives. Uh, so go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. dot com. Um, also Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. And but honestly, anything we mention on the show, Lawrence makes it his job to make sure that he gets that thing in stock. So. If you're looking for up yours, Lube, Lawrence, we got a challenge for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then let's just finish this off by saying Santa Claus is your parents. And then now the emails <laughs> will be immediately deflected. That that erases everything you've said. Because they all the parents yeah. are just like, yeah. oh, my God, my kids think that Santa Claus is... They did a whole thing on up yours, Lube, that don't matter because I said Santa Claus is your parents. And I'm in trouble now. So you're welcome. It's always Jeff in you're trouble. Welcome. Yeah. I, I have That's a couple. We got to do a couple more listener feedbacks because this one yeah. is, turns into... This is actually a dilemma. Ash Edwards says, I've got a dilemma. Uh, I, have a, I have a mate named Mark who had a 50th birthday. And I was doing knives making as a hobby, a knife making as a hobby at the time. And I told him when I'm a bit better making knives, I'll make him something. At the time, I bought him some fishing lures for his birthday. So I wasn't really, I did, it was, so it wasn't like I didn't do anything. Hmm. He acted like I had an outstanding invoice and he demanded his <laughs> oh my knife. God. My birthday came around and went without nothing in return. So I figured, okay, that's that. I don't have to give him any. I don't owe anything left. I don't owe anything hmm. more. Right. Six years later, I now I now make knives in, in a much more serious way and charge accordingly. I've invested heavily in a knife making and changed my entire life around it. My quote mate is a part of a men's shed. I don't know what that fucking thing is, but I don't like no. it. My, maybe. maybe. <laughs> hey, Ash Edwards, we all know what you need to get him now. <laughs> Craig will send you a link. <laughs> Talk 10 for all the up yours. Up yours. Oh, my God, the med shed. This is perfect. All right. <laughs> so my mate need that med shed. Uh, let me get back to it. That was too fucking good. All right, so my mate's part of a men's shed. Where, where where I'm the supervisor every Wednesday night. This is so funny. Now all of a sudden I'm getting this fisting each other. I'm sorry. It's basically a community workshop where we make stuff and enjoy a meal together under the mental health banner. After following Mark's lead, all the other members of the men's shed are under the impression under the impression that I should give them a free knife too. Fuck. I, oh, I've explained wow. knife making isn't a hobby and it's my income and it's how I pay my bills and put food on the table. And I told them if they want to support a small artisan business, they can check out my website and I'll give them a discount. Nope. Mm. 
They expect full custom-made knives for free. <laughs> I've explained it. It would be like giving a small. Uh, it would be like a small business giving away ten thousand dollars if I gave them all a knife. They still yeah. ask for their knives weekly. I now oh. say, suck a dick. Whenever I re- get requested, and it's awkward. The thing that pissed me right off was one of them commented on my social media business post oh. saying. Nice knife, just wish the wait time wasn't over five years. I blocked the fucker, and I pride myself on good customer service, and he just implied otherwise. He fucked Mm. with my potential customers, not cool. And then he wrote something else, but we all know what he needs to do. Yeah, up you. Get yourself on that fucking (laughs) fist dip. That fucking... (laughs) That fucking... Up yours. They got purple label and bring the men shed what they really want because clearly that's what they want. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever been in that position where somebody's needling you for a free knife? Family members. Yeah, regularly, even now. Yeah. 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 I I had a friend that helped me with some building work in a shop, like putting up framing. Yeah. Just like sticks and nails. And. For, for <laughs> it's just like your knife he's just bitten yeah, it's no, 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 no. he just moved a couple <laughs> straws around okay sticks and nails no I, I mean like two by fours this is they call it sticks anyways put up some walls just this framing for the walls and, and now and then he felt like he was owed a fucking knife and um and at the time when we were first doing it, he, I was like, you know, what can we do to, like, he was just helping. And it was a very simple thing. And uh, I was like, maybe I can make you a knife. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll figure out something down the road or figure out something later. And then he was like two, three years later, he's like, so where's my knife? Are oh. you going to make me a knife? And like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, I built that thing for you. Aren't you going to make me a knife? And I'm like, what are you... All of it. So we didn't even have a conversation. We went from, oh, maybe we'll figure something out. Whatever. I, I wish I had just paid him, because at this point he still bugs me about it. And it's like, if I made double-ended dildos, he would give a fuck. He would not care or have zero interest in getting one of those. But because it's a knife, he wants one. And what's it's up with today's so, show? What's so frustrating. You guys. I mean, you know, I say just give him a, you know, make it. You know what you should do? I'll tell you what we should do. We should. Somebody should make a 3D uh, file for a, uh, a nice die, a, like a casting, and then you send a casting of the fist dip to people, and then it looks in the shape of a knife, but it's really it's like fist dip. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't go very well. <sighs> Not really. Uh, no. I, 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 you, you know, I think a lot of times that people don't know how to joke, and I think that they break balls and they think that it's nonstop. I the online thing is bothersome and that happened to me and I told it a couple months ago where a guy right. was like didn't really respond to the you know the we wanted an uh, oyster knife didn't respond to our emails and then wrote something like boy you make all this stuff before you make mine and it was like we couldn't figure out what happened and he never got the emails and it was like mm. when you go online and you fuck with someone's business it goes from being funny banter to being really 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 uncool but yeah. the real issue is Ash, and I'm sorry to say this, I'm really, really sorry to say this, they don't respect you. And that's the problem. That's what I think. And I find that to be angering to a certain degree. Because they think that because they've seen you, you know, five years ago doing whatever you're doing, and now they think that they know you. 
that they still have the right to kind of fucking disrespect you. And I find that to mm. be appalling. I don't like that I th- at all. I, th- I think what we do is quite niche. It, it clearly is, or niche as you may call it. And um, for a lot of people, they don't understand that there's a there's a, a knife world out there. When I tell people I do a podcast about knife making, they're like, what? Who listens to that? I say I do admit most of the sad fuckers, but <laughs> <laughs> but what what I'm saying is is like when you tell people you make knives, they don't understand that it's it's a business, and they just think you're just messing about in right. in, in this in this case right. in a shed. Right? Um, they don't see it as a serious serious business. Um, so yeah, so I think it's easy for them people to say, "Well, just make me a knife." You know, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's just well, it would. Cause it's you literally take money out of my pocket. It's it's incredibly disrespectful, I think, and you know yeah. you can give some up yours to them niche that that niche. Yeah. Will Redhead has to say this is a good one. This is a really good one. R- Will Redhead says I think it's Redhead or Reedhead. Will Reedhead. Will Redhead. Hey fellas, I've been a keen listener for a while now, and like many others, I appreciate all the time you put the podcast in the knife making community. I will. I guess I'll always. I always thought my first message to you would be to talk about whether or not an S grind will go deep enough to expose more of the twist of a twisted W's pattern or discuss the pros and cons of flux fluxless welding. However, I find myself writing to talk about cock and balls. (laughs) (laughs) This is the kind of content we're here. I'm telling you, man, (laughs) my wife and I have given birth to our first, uh, our first child, our, our first, given birth to our first children, identical twin girls. And wow. so I'm home settling into our new life. My wife is Mexican and her mom and dad have come over to the UK to support us during the first few weeks of our girls' arrival. Anyway, I'm currently painting a new room for the babies and listening to a lot of knife talk in particular. Catching up on a few missed episodes, the episode called A Cowboy to the Rescue came up, and I'm uh, relishing in it uh, keen wi- the keen wit and banter. That's when uh, I had uh, Ben Snore on filling in for you guys. I hear the front door open, and up come the in-laws to say hello after their long journey over. I greet them warmly, and then they're, they come into the new room that their beloved grandchildren will be resting their tiny heads. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just can't prepare yourself. It is just at this point that Jeff and Ben Snoor really get stuck into the dick and balls that were oh, the dick and balls that thing. were being mowed into the lawn for the king's coronation. <laughs> uh, we were obsessed yeah. with how they mowed the the dick and balls into the coronation uh, king's coronation. Now this was funny as fuck, but my phone was at the top of the wardrobe at full volume, <laughs> so it became the soundtrack to our in-laws' tour of the granddaughter's new room. <laughs> and if anyone goes back to have a listen to that episode. You'll find just what you thought they had coming. Uh, that just thought when you had the topic covered enough, they kept coming back for more. So we, you know, so uh, I think, uh, uh, um, and then I, he, he, he wrote, uh, I, I just lost what he had wrote, um, which is, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, it was just a nice, it was a very nice, uh, let me see if I got it here. I, I lost it. So he just basically wrote that uh, it was the whole thing was you know, problematic. So. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. And then the last, uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, unless you want to go into more eczema talk. There's a lot of eczema talk questions. Eczema. Eczema. Okay. Like we had the we we, the, a lot of people have been a, a couple a weeks ago. Somebody has uh, eczema, and that mm. their they, their hands get really in bad shape 
from working in a shop. Eczema is like yeah, a yeah. autoimmune deficiency or autoimmune disorder. Yeah, well, you get... Yeah, uh, and there's yeah, just a lot of barrier cream questions. Um, Up yours would work very hey. well for any eczema um, <laughs> sufferers, I think. Perfect. Perfect way to end listener feedback. Get some up yours. Get some up yours. It's got a fist, a covered fist. You can't go wrong. Up yours, children. There you go. Up yours. Okay, now is a good time to tell everybody about TexasFarriersupply.com. Amazing people. And do you know what they sell? They sell Indasa RhinoWet, which is the sandpaper of the superstars. It's what we all use. Um, saves you money, saves you time. Um, so go take a look, TexasFarriersupply.com, um, because they sell everything you could possibly need, whether you're a knife maker, a farrier, bladesmith, whatever you want to call yourself. They've got everything there. Um, great, great people. And if you use Knife Talk 10 at checkout, you'll also get 10% off your full order as well. So fill up that cart with your RhinoWet. Um, take a look at everything else that they have, because you can get 10% off with Knife Talk 10 at checkout. Mm. What's... Shall we go back to questions? You, you got it. Okay, okay. Hulahan, Hulahan Forge. Um, hi, guys. Any tips on how to keep handles even on both sides when grinding the shape? Do you use jigs or fixtures or do you measure it or do you just eyeball it? Um, thanks. Keep up the good work. This is probably a good one for you, Mareko, because your mm. handles are quite intricate. I mean, they can be. Yeah, especially the Japanese cowboy handle. Um, or the faceted Western. I, I usually just have a, a, like a mechanical pencil handy. And when I cut in a facet, uh, or sorry, let me back up. I'll start by cutting in the profile, of the whole handle along the spine and down at the pommel of the handle and then across the belly. And then I basically don't touch that until the very end. And I use that, the, uh, those flats on either the spine or the belly as, uh, ways to transfer lines from side to side. Um, so say I'm cutting in a facet on the right side, wherever that facet ends, I'll just take that uh, mechanical pencil and I'll just sketch a line ar- around whichever is closest, either around the belly or to the spine, or around the spine to the other side, and then use that as a reference for how far down, if when I, once I go to the other side, to push that facet. And I just use that back and forth. And it's pretty, it's a simple tool to have handy and, um, and it's really effective, honestly. Uh, but otherwise I, I don't really do a lot to, um, to, to, especially when I'm doing like fully contoured handles, it's mostly just everything's by eye. Um, so you don't, you don't use a table or anything. It's all by hand and an eye. You're not using a table set in an angle or anything like that. At all. I basically never use a Tool, tool rest or the table for yeah. anything ever. Okay. Um, and not that there's, there's, it's perfectly useful. I just, I've never used one. That's just been the way I've always worked. Um, I, I will say before I start sculpting, especially when I'm doing a hidden tang uh, construction with an integral bolster, um, often the handle material will be just slightly out of alignment. Um, it might be a flaw in my drill press or my drill bits are dull. And so they, or, or even just the vice holding <laughs> the, the handle material or even the table that's resting on might something somewhere in there. It's not perfectly up and down. So when I drill a hole and then I, which is the slot for the tang to slide in, the handle is usually canted off one way or the other. So after I, I you try to start with blocks large enough to have room for that, to account for that. And um, so when I do uh, the final glue up and the first thing afterwards 
is centering the handle up to the blade. Again, I don't use anything super sophisticated. Um, I am developing a jig for that, but right now I just, uh, I have a little uh, like six inch metal ruler that's maybe half an inch wide or a centimeter wide. And it, I just sight down the spine and mark out a couple spots and use that ruler to kind of extend that line to find the center line and locks along the spine. And then I do that along the belly too, uh, with the, uh, the cutting edge. I don't usually use the ruler on the cutting edge. I'll just, um, just eyeball down the cutting edge, the center line down the belly side of the handle. And then from there I use my calipers to measure the difference. What usually one side or the other of the handle block is closer to that center line. And so, Whichever is the narrowest, I'll use that as a measurement for the other side, and I'll mark off the difference, and then I just put it up to the grinder and cut away the excess material, and then my handle is centered up to the blade, and then from there I just start grinding evenly. Hmm. Uh, but again, cool. it's just all by eye. Yeah. Okay. One. <laughs> Easy. Oh, goodness. Easy there. Bless your soul. <laughs> Bless your soul. Um, I. I I try to think everything like forging and mm. when you learn how to forge, if you go from, if you're trying to go make a square bar into a round bar, you, the, it's every step and you make everything square. So you make the square, you make the bar square. And then you, all you do is focus on that one step, which is make it square. Then you break the corners. Mm -hmm. Then you break the corners, you make an octagon. Then you break those corners and then you break those corners. I do the same thing with, when I'm doing the, the, when I'm doing it, finishing up the handles, I make mm -hmm. everything square. Then I break the corners. Then I break those corners. And then I'm constantly just like trying to do one step at a time. Sure. I also use the disc grinder a lot, uh, especially, you know, once you have your, your sizing for a full tang knife or hidden tang knife and you have your marks up, the disc grinder is so helpful when it comes to getting things, you know, helping you round things you can roll things over on it and then you can pull if you get off of your broad back you can push the platen out and you can kind of kind of do some similar things i think it's so important to just be very mindful of your steps and i do have a trick that i started to do started to think about and really talk about a lot of guys have a lot of problems with the underside of their knives, the underside of the belly, especially if you have like a pistol yeah. grip or you have not like a lot of contouring, but like like a, like a pistol grip style. If you do, if you take the platen off your two by seventy two grinder, and you have uh, a belt that's on the thicker side, like eighty grit or something like that, something with um, a, P, a a type of belt that's got a lot of thickness to it. You can, if you're, if you're very, everything's very tight, you can really use that belt to kind of clean up on the slack to clean up your, the underside of the belly, which I know it can be difficult. I see a lot of people trying to clean up the underside of their knives with uh, a Dremel. And I, I find Dremels to be problematic just because I think a lot of people have a hard time feathering in the Dremel lines. But if you yeah. really use the slack belt wisely, you can get into so many places underside that you th wouldn't think that you could. Like, I've are you talking about the profile of the handle? Talking about, the, well, yeah, the profile yeah, of the on handle. the belly, right? The profile of the handle. Okay. 
So okay. like I, if you if you have like a contoured, you know, like let's say like my bull elk knives have like a pistol grip and the underside's hard. If you have the goddamn platen on, you get it, you get it chalked, you get it like chippy, you know, it, it won't be smooth. Yeah. But if I put on a 36 grit belt or 80 grit belt and then I have it really tight, I can, it, it's tight enough that it holds itself together and it's not conforming, but it's also kind of taking all the high spots off evenly and gently. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. Knife tip. There we go. That's what we're here for. Oh, yeah. Yes, that and fist dip. Knife tip and fist dip. <laughs> There's a title. Oh, boy. Knife tips and fist oh, dips. Oh, no. Or fish sticks. We used to call. I remember Twiglets. when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we would have. Twiglets. We would have for lunch at the school. We'd have fish sticks. Fish sticks. But the lunch lady, when she said them fast, we thought she said, "Would you like some fish dicks?" So we always called them fish dicks. So for years, I thought, you know, they were fish. Fucking dicks. big old fish dick. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Who's taking the next one? Uh, this one is from... Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. What the fuck happened? <laughs> there we go. Forge Allard. Uh, it says, hello, I'm Dixon side of the Forge Allard. I, I'd like to know if you guys let some extra material... Or, sorry. I'd like to know if you guys leave, probably, is what it's supposed to say. Leave some extra material on the edge if you get laser cut. Uh, if you get laser cut blanks, so I won't mess up the heat treat. Uh, thanks for the great show and always, as always fun listening to you guys. So when using lasers, fricking lasers to cut out blades, what do you suggest? Leave, leave um, account for a little bit of extra material along the edge or just take it straight up to the edge. Take it. If it's a laser personally, um, with, a, with my designs, I have them taken right up to the edge. Okay. Um, if it's plasma, um, they can be a little bit dirtier mm, yeah. um, if it's not if it's not looked after so well. It's a lot more difficult to get a clean cut on a plasma. Right. Um, so maybe I'd think then that you need to give yourself a bit of meat left. Um, but with a with a laser, um, I've never had any issues at all, and they're, they're you know they're bound even to the point where I'm doing sort of three millimeter holes. A laser will cut them perfectly to three millimeters as well. Right. They pierce straight through. Um, so yeah, personally, I don't think I don't think it's an issue with a laser. Um, or a water jet for that. Matter. I I've gotten nervous because uh, so so if you're people are wondering what you're talking about. If you get your knives, you go to knife print, you get your knives designed up, and then you get them printed out, and then they'll water jet cut them. They'll be like a line. It'll be like a slightly jagged line, almost like a the who cares a shit. It's like a jagged line. It's like the curve of a saw, but it's water, right? Yeah, right, right. So yeah, water and gra- yeah. or like an abrasive. Right. So you, you, it's not like a smooth edge. Right. I have noticed at one time I heat treated one without doing anything, and one of the little fissure it turned into a fissure that turned into the beginnings of a crack. Mm. So I am oh, conscious of cleaning everything, cleaning the profiles up before I heat treat. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And then getting rid of as much as, not as much as, not over, I don't go overboard, but like I just kind of make them clean. And I don't... Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd scotch bright all the edges, yeah. Because yeah. I, what I don't want is I, I've seen it and I don't want it. So I don't want to have to... And the other thing is, is like the most you can clean up before, especially if you're using something like, 
uh, 440C or something that's very wear resistant. Why would you want if you can do it, if you can do it beforehand or at least take off some of the some of the mess when it's easier? Why not do it? Right. Um, yeah. But I do take off a little bit. I don't account for it in the the. It's so m- minuscule that I don't account for it. But I get everything water jet cut, so I don't have that problem. I know what you're talking about. I know that some people uh, plasma cut out their knives, and I get I actually get I get concerned because I wonder how hot that plasma think, cut yeah. will cut make that edge. I've been told that it's not enough to harden it, but at the same time, it's like if you're if you're doing it on your own and the and the the parts of you know plasma cutters it's not like you buy it and it's great there are called parts called consumables and if you don't replace the a lot of the consumable parts they're going to give you a bad cut and they're going to give you like it's not going to be an exact cut you're going to have like a little bit of a some really it's like a fucked up oxyacetylene torch sure. so like yeah. i always get i would be concerned about that yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they always they always need to clean up, even with laser and water jet. And I'd say, even let, let's say in, in sort of the handle, let's say you, you've you've your pinholes have been cut or some weight relief cut or skeletonized or whatever it may be. Um, when you're doing the design, you quite often want to put you put you want to put your lead in um, into a hole. Um, so um, the lead in is basically where the laser or the water jet will start. So it doesn't start exactly on the line; it'll start slightly off, then move its way in. So obviously for a hole, your lead-in is within that hole because that's, that's being cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll sometimes leave a slight sort of mushroom. Um, Slag, right? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And it's a very slight mushroom. So, so yeah, so I always clean everything up anyway uh, once it's been cut uh, just to make sure you get rid of those. And they can be minuscule, but obviously if, you, you know, if you're putting handles on them for a full tang knife, for example, that needs to be completely flat. Um, so it's always worth to clean up, and it takes second. You know, a, a Scotch Bright belt is all. You're not really taking the material away as such, just taking away any sort of extras that you do want there. Um, but yeah, for those who have never done anything like this before, um, a really good way to get into this is with KnifePrint.com um, because it's it's all done in the browser. It's 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 CAD, but done in a browser. You don't need to download any any programs at all. Um, they've got a really good education center there, which they'll show you how to do that. I mean, you'll be able to design knives and save them and make edits and so on, but you'll be able to see it in 3D and swing it around and see exactly how it'll look. Um, but they've then got a print button, and as Jeff said, they'll either laser jet or water jet cut, cut it out. You pick the, pick the steel that you want, and you'll get it in the post. These blanks are perfectly ready to go. Um, so, yeah, if it's something you've, you've never toyed with before, just go and have a play, knifeprint.com, um, and if nothing else, you'll learn a lot. I have emergency this. feedback about a knife print. This comes from Legacy it. Blades. He says, you guys have been talking a lot about knife print, and I just want to echo the excellent instructions Dennis Terrell has provided in his YouTube tutorial. I have no experience with CAD, so having someone walk you through the widgets was super helpful. Thanks for continuing to bring a great resource resource to light, Jared. Nice. Good enough for Jared. It's good enough for you. Dennis Terrell doing nice videos for knife print. Can I add a little bit more to that last question? Go ahead. Sure. Yes. And yes. so it sounds like the big concern is like what what is happening to the material along the edge, and it sounds like because both of you guys have had work cut one way or another uh, that maybe ten to twenty thousandths is being taken off the edge, anyways, for just regular cleanup, uh, which is what twenty five to fifty or point two five to point five zero millimeter, um, mm-hmm. anyways just a normal cleanup and grinding and whatnot. Uh, I think it is also important to keep in mind 
that if you're heat treating in an ambient oxygen the uh, ambient environment like a um, without any foil or anything like that whether it's in a forge or in a kiln that is also something you want to take into consideration is that you are going to want to remove just a, the slightest bit of material from the edge too because that edge the material closest to the outside of the cross-section of the blade is going to become decarburized through the heat treating process and you are going to want to get rid of that before you do put your final edge on um so in all of those situations yeah. it sounds like we definitely want to pull off just a little bit off the edge um before we put our final edge on and call it good you know what it's interesting because i've seen a, a number of really top level knife makers who when they get their knives uh water jet cut or the blanks created mm-hmm. they'll put a little tab on the tip i think i think uh don does it and and there's some other guys they'll they'll make sure that in the design there's a tab on the tip and it's like right. an extra little square that sticks off the tip of the knife of material right and it's so you don't grind your tip off when you're grinding them down or yeah or to overheat it because it's so small down out there like the thermal mass isn't there and it's so yeah. easy to overheat and so having that extra material there helps keep it from overheating so easily yeah and then you just nip it off at the end yeah and then at the end you just yeah clean it right off it's a pretty strong move it's a strong move yeah yeah very nice hmm okay um i think it's now also time to tell everybody about dharma steel then as well um Stainless Damascus, um, some of the most beautiful patterns you could ever hope to imagine to see on dharmasteel.se. Um, they've got them all listed there, all their patterns. Super, super easy to work with. Um, and again, they've got a great education center there showing you how to heat treat and how to etch and all the rest of it. Um, really, really good, good people. Go to Dharma Steel Lab or Dharma Steel AB on Instagram, um, and you'll see the kind of stuff people are using Dharma Steel for. Really sort of high-end stuff, super clean um, Damascus. That, you know, it's just really, really, really top-level stuff. So go take a look, dharmasteel.s. And when's the Dharma Steel Invitational? November. So we've we've yeah, we need to start talking about the knives that we're making for nice. that because um I've started down down the way and I, I think I don't know whether you guys have as well, but certainly some of our listeners would would have. Um so yeah, so we're we're coming close to that time when people start sort of sharing their their designs um for the uh the Dharma Steel build along. Um it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to it. And it's always a good show as well. That the show oh. that they put on, the Chef Invitation, it's always good fun. It's, our, it's, it's one of our highlight shows of the year. It is. It Absolutely. really is, yeah. yeah. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I got to fucking get out of here soon, so maybe we should after show it and fist yeah, dip sure. it off. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, Jeff has rescued us here because my nuts are about to sweat. <laughs> so <laughs> He's going to put that up yours, children. Uh, with that, we shall see you next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I keep after I show. keep seeing these advertisements for uh, these fans. You clip onto your belt loop, and it shoots air up your shirt. So you just need one down what? at the end at the end of your shorts to shoot up your <laughs> the pant of your leg. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a tiny what? little fan that you carry around on your on your hip. Oh wow! I don't There's... know how effective it is, but no. I could imagine <laughs> sitting there in the hot, soupy warmth that the fan would be pretty nice shooting up the pant of your leg. Yeah. Or leg wow, yeah. nice. the old, up the old leg. Up the old leg. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what Southern California has that is beat the Northeast breaks off. Fucking taco trucks. 
Oh yeah. Oh my god. For we, my sure. kid and I, the, the first night we were there, we were walking to a Ralph's just to get something because we thought that the hurricane was going to be serious. So we was like, let's just. There's a Ralph's down the street, which is like a uh, convenience store, and there was a taco truck right next to it. And I said, hey, Lila, if we don't find anything in that place, we're going to hit some tacos. I said, we got it. That's what they're known for. LA is known for this fucking taco truck. Oh yeah. So we go into the Ralph's. It's a bunch of drug addicts. There's a lot of drug addicts in there. And I, every time I see one, I think it's a drug addict. I turn around. I'm like, these are your people now. I've been fucking <laughs> oh my God. killing her. I've been killing her with that. That's been, she's like, God, dad. Loop masters oh, and drug addicts. This is your play. These are people. These are your people now. Oh, <laughs> just, it's hilarious. So then we, um, we went over the taco truck and it was a, like a truck. And then they had a little table. And you'd order the tacos, and that all it would be would be a, a tortilla, corn tortilla, two corn tortillas, tiny corn tortillas, like a like a, a one, you know, two biter. And then there would yeah. be a little tray, and they have different sauces, and then a little radish, and a little onion, and a little lime, and a little cilantro. God, and we sat on the side of the road and ate these fucking tacos, and we're like, the tacos in L.A., even the street ones, got got New York beat by a mile. Can't get much better than them. I've been following uh, a spot based out of LA what is it it's tacos el venado they have like almost 200,000 followers they're in north hollywood california and it's torture looking at their page and like seeing their posts every once in a while because it just looks so fucking incredible the school did an event just for the parents to, to no kids the parents were there it was like you know it's got tons of kids tons yeah. of parents i mean they had beer and wine and then they had a taco bar Nice. And the fucking tacos from the school were unbelievable. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, nice. maybe okay, if you get well, down there again, you can try to hit up Will Brigham. Although that's extra. <laughs> extra there was I'm sure of, when, you, when you're going into LA to visit your kid, you're probably just there for the kid. There was the a lot of, of like, you know, Andres Kalani, Andres right. Kalani reached out and, and, you right. know, I had a lot of nice messages from Josh Scott, who's not, he's oh, yeah. farther down, but I mean, he was just super cool in terms of like, I mean, you ever need anything and then fell knives and there's a lot of oh, right. cool knife makers over there. Nick, yeah. Nick sent a nice message to me and, you know, if you ever want to get together or you never need anything. And a lot of people were just like, you know, well, the cool thing is, is the knife community who most of these people I've never even met said, if you, she's yeah. ever in a jam or you need something, you know, let me know. And that was really, really cool. And that was a really, really cool thing to do. And I would never ask, but it was a very nice gesture on a lot of people yeah, that I've never met nice. before uh, situation. So many thanks. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm just looking at these tacos that uh, Morocco has just sent. Taco Sel Bernardo. Wow. Yeah. They look incredible. They look really good. Oh, but see what we were talking about last week about American food just being bulk and filth. There's no finesse there at all, but it looks amazing. Oh no, yeah, it's not about the finesse. Oh I no, fucking no, not at all. God, no. we, my, my wife and daughter, when they went out there last year, went. There's a place called Grand Central Market in downtown LA, and it's oh, yeah, this sure. huge space where there's there's just tons of different foods and Filipino food and in Mexican food and, and, and Thai food. And it was like, it was like stalls, like, like, uh, like a street, like a street, like almost like a small city, like a, uh, Mexico city type, you know, street vendor place. Yeah. We mm. ate the fuck out of that shit. And they had this nice. one guy called the donut man <laughs> who made donuts and they cut them open and put fresh peaches in the donuts. And it was like 
mind-blowing, oh, yeah. mind-blowing fried chicken and all these fri- Korean fried chicken and tacos and burritos and all this fucking awesome shit. I was like, it was the food scene there is p- fucking great. Nice. I just found those, those nice. peaches peach filled donuts those look crazy they're see they're it's seasonal too because like one most of the year it's fresh strawberry filled donuts i got you. and then now they have they have the peach ones and they were not too it was just it, the food was awesome the food in la was awesome hmm. so. it's a good food town for sure all right guys what do you think yes get out of here. <laughs> you gotta cool Definitely. off <laughs> yeah 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 all right Jess. right thank you all for listening and we should speak to you again next week when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.